When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn. They call me the professor. I'm here chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions with my man, Cody Lashney. How you doing, Cody? Tony Dunn, what's up, brother? It's another Tuesday night. The chat room is already popping with the normals. The regular Panther kingdom, underground West, Scott Thomas. You know Susan's in the house. Ten tizzy, B-A-M-O's. Listen, man, Panthers training camp is other way underway we have a ton of footage we have a ton of clips we have a ton of things to talk about to get you hyped for the football season that is right around the corner tony dunn and nothing to it but to do it brother let's roll all right tonight's episode is training camp week one was electric and like you said there is a ton to talk about a lot to be excited about Um, and we have actual football players doing football like things And that's better than us just speculating and speculating and drumming up conversation after conversation. So you can be a part of that conversation by participating in the chat room. We appreciate it. Greatest group of friends I have on the internet where we hang out every Tuesday night. Side note, next Tuesday, we're going to have to adjust the date of the show because I'm on vacation next week. So we're just going to move it up or back a, a few days. So... Um, I'll be tweeting out some information like about that, but we might do it the after basically on Saturday if Cody's available or Friday night when I get back in. Uh, go ahead and smash that thumbs up button, subscribe if you're listening on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get Spotify. Leave us a rating. Go ahead and just tell one Panther fan fan about the podcast. That's how you can help us grow this show, one fan at a time one member of our community at a time and you can really be a part of the show by calling into the cat calls line the number is 252-228-5098 where we feature your takes on the carolina panthers um live on the show you can reach that any time of day so 
I think that's all the business we've got, all the housekeeping. Oh, one other thing, too, for listeners of the C3 Panthers podcast, pro tip, uh, the C3 Fantasy Football League is open. Uh, I put out VIP invitations uh, just two days ago. There's been um, uh, almost 30 people that have signed up. We might have to start a different league. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the website, carolinacatchronicles.com, and click on the C3 Fantasy Football tab and that will give you the information about a lot of cool stuff being given out um two of those things an autograph we're gonna be raffling off a autographed dj moore jersey and an autographed cam newton footballer just two of the prizes that will be given away on the very first night so you can't beat that league right there fantasy football with panther fans it's a great time all right cody kick us off with a little cam kick us off with a little cam no problem. I'd be happy to do just that. I got a lot of people talking. A lot of people speculating. But all that speculation. Wait, let's, wait, wait, wait. Let's do this. I think you have a portal open. I'm getting some sound oh, feedback. Where are you getting it at? I'm uh, I'm hearing it whenever, uh, like a second after I play it. I'm, I'm hearing it from your end. All right. You ready to roll? Maybe. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Let's try this again. I got a lot of people talking. A lot of people speculating. There we go. But all that speculation stops. You dig. All the speculation has come to an end. Because of everything that we have been worried about on this podcast for months now, our fears have been evaporated, Panther fans. Here is what you have been waiting to see. There it is, baby. All right, so we go crazy. 37-yard 37 yard pass right there to Curtis Samuel. Um, now uh, what this was is you said this over and over for a long time and, and that is you just need to, to see that you're going to feel better when you see that. So now that you've seen that, yes. how do you feel? Do you feel better? Oh my God. It's like a weight that has been lifted off my shoulders knowing how much Cam Newton means to the football team and his health and, and what it means for him to be able to go full bore for the team and not knowing if he was going to be able to stretch the field vertically and take advantage of weapons like Curtis Samuel, like DJ Moore, even guys like uh, like Torrey Smith. I mean, you have to be able to attack the field vertically. And Cam Newton used to be one of the best in the NFL at doing that. And now, you know, especially after last season, having the the satisfaction of seeing him throw the deep ball Man, I mean, how could you not feel 10 times better? This is Cam Newton. This is what we've been waiting to see. This is what we were all afraid of. People were worried uh, why he wasn't throwing the football. There was never anything to worry about. Cam Newton knew that he was going to be all right. He put in a ton of time and training in the offseason to make sure that he was healthy and prepared. And it's paid off, man. And we have more where that came from, too. What we got is where where were you at when this happened, folks? That's what I want to know. Where were you at the moment you saw Cam Newton on Twitter? 
um, or in this video, throw this bomb because I am with Cody is that we needed this, right? So after, oh, yeah. after this throw, the next day, Jordan Rodriguez with The Athletic put out an article on how this throw may have been relieving the fans, but there was a lot of work to get to this point, you know, kind of rehashing the whole process of Cam Newton's shoulder, the rehabilitation, the surgery. And I wrote to her at the end of her article is that this is one of those things. It's like when you're in a crowded area. I've got three kids, so you're walking around. Your your kids are right with you. You look over, you check your phone or something, you look up, and you lose sight of your children. And you get that panicked feeling, right? Because we had lost sight of our child, Cam Newton, and we had this certain panicked feeling. And you're starting to the noise no matter how much you disregard it the noise is still there so for the year, last year we fought off this belief that he needs to sit out for a year how that's silly we fought yeah. off the we've been fighting against people who were uh telling us that cam's best days were behind him now and all of this but that noise starts to get in your head even though you fight it so it's like when you're walking with your kids, you lose sight of your kids, you have that moment of panic, and then you turn around and they're right behind you the whole time. Cam Newton yeah. has been right with us the whole time. There was no need to really worry is that unless there was some unless his arm was going to fall off, he was going he's going to be back. Like it's not like his arm yeah. will not work anymore. I don't think it was that serious, but Boy, was it nice to see that connection there. And it hasn't just been one. It's been two, three, four. They've been, he's been on point, dialed in, it sounds like. And they have not had like they did after his first surgery. They came out and threw him those first couple of days to the wool. You know, they made him a full participant in those first couple of days of training camp in 2017 and then had to shut him down yeah. for the rest of training camp. I don't get that. You know, we'll be watching to see how they manage the pitch count. Does he get sh shut down? But he's letting, he's airing the ball out, man. No, I mean, listen, so we'll, we'll show this again later when we talk about Curtis Samuel. But look at the placement on this football and how he just puts it right where Curtis Samuel can get it, man. Cam Newton is throwing dimes. And, and one of the things, that uh, has been, you know, we've talked about it on the show and it's uh, been made a big deal of on Twitter is Cam Newton's throwing motion and, uh, you know, how it's changed and is it different? Is it the same? Is it going to revert back to the same old, same old? So I figured we'd break it down. Um, I have a slow motion uh, uh, clip here of, of Cam and so basically what I'm seeing is as he gets to this point in his drop, uh, he points that front foot right to where the target and the receiver is going to be. And then as soon as his elbow and his and the football are vertical and, and uh, they're uh, angled up with each other, he releases the football with the ball tight into his helmet. And so it looks like there's a lot of emphasis on Cam Newton using his hips to turn and throw the football and having his weight underneath him and making sure that he's not using the power in his arms to push the to push the football, 
but rather the 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 turning rotation of his hips. Uh, that's going to be the power to move the football down the field. And you can see right there, Cam Newton's a happy man. He knows he's feeling fine, throwing dimes out there on the field. Feels like his old self. Ten Tizzy likes my new hat that I got in the mail today. You know what is uh, this hat right here? You can thank the C3 Fantasy Football League because I was buying all these prizes for the league. And I did buy a snapback hat for one of the weekly prizes. But I ran across this sucker and I was like, man, this one's for me. I'm putting my own money out there right now. I'm getting this hat for me. Right. So, yeah. All right. The throw emotion, small. A tweak, maybe. It's just being more mindful. We've continued to say this, is that I, I think what I like about this is it seems like Norv Turner and Scott Turner together are able to teach Cam better than a Mike Shula was in the past. Oh, absolutely. You know? It's not that Absolutely. Cam was a bad, uncoachable. We saw in uh, the in the show he's not. He's he's plenty coachable. What what we're seeing is is maybe uh, he just didn't have the best teachers at the moment to get the most out of him. And it's not like Cam didn't know these things or that he was never taught the right way to throw the football. I mean, this is not a Tim Tebow situation, a Blake Bortles situation. It's it's nowhere near near that that bad. But um, I, I just, you know, I, I look at this video and I have it paused. And it's just, you know, I, I look at his elbow all the way up to his wrist uh, that he has the ball in his hand. It's, it's, it's vertical. And his really, there's no lag. As soon as the elbow comes forward. It looks higher. It looks like his in. hand is yeah. it's more over the top. Right. He's, he's tend to open so up his chest a little bit and whip it more. Yes. You know, like yes. a big giant slingshot at times. This tends to, this trends to a more traditional looking throwing motion. Or, I mean, not that you could even tell. You know, I mean, somebody would probably play this and say it's the same damn motion, but. Yeah, I'm sure. And the, the thing about it is, Cam Newton's so powerful that he's been able to get away with bad mechanics sometimes. And he has the arm talent and the arm strength to still just gun the football into the tightest window possible. But I think now that he is getting older, he, he doesn't want to have to rely on that power all the time. So that's why I love it that he's honing in on the mechanics of throwing the football, getting the ball out fast, and using the proper technique and hip motion to do it. It's just like a boxer. None of your power comes from your, from your, your hand or your arm at all. It's all about the rotation in your hips, and it's the same thing for throwing a football in the NFL. All right, so on the one of the great things about seeing Cam Newton throw this is seeing the other guys on the other side of it, on the other end of it, catch it. And uh, right now we got some guys who are really kind of seemingly coming into their own. Um, let's first talk about second-year player DJ Moore heading into his second year. Rookie did not see a ton of ton of snaps early. They've talked about where DJ's great with the uh, is his like greatest asset. North Turner, I heard saying this um, was get the ball to him quick and let him make plays after he's got the ball in the hand. I love that we have not had that in our arsenal until recently with a Christian McCaffrey, now a DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, but DJ Moore. 
second-year receiver drafted in the first round. When do the receivers really start to hit their stride, Cody? Is it year two? Do we expect to see him become more polished and then year three turn into the pros pro? It does not at this point. I mean, he's not like obviously he didn't have the season like a, a rookie season like an Odell Beckham Jr. He seems to be need a little bit more time to get uh, to the next level. Where is DJ Moore at right now? So DJ Moore, you know, there's a term known as the sophomore slump meaning that your second year in the NFL sometimes isn't as smooth as even your first one might be. And I, I really don't know if that's position-specific or not. But, um, you know, they, DJ Moore is a very interesting case because on one hand, the man is capable of doing stuff like this. Cam Newton, again, throwing the tightest spiral that you've ever seen in your entire life. There's no deviation to that football. And then DJ Moore just grabbing the ball with one hand. I mean, that kind of big playability is why we drafted him in the first place. And, and DJ Moore, his ability to obtain yards after the catch, I mean, he's basically a running back at the wide receiver position. I mean, that kind of body control, I mean, that's like 99 percentile athleticism. The thing that I worry about, and if you follow me on Twitter, at C-O-D-Y-L-E-C, is that I mentioned this concept known as the banana route. So I'm going to play this clip here and understand that DJ Moore is the one that catches the ball at the end. I want you to watch the route that he runs. And if you notice how much it's shaped like a banana, it, what it goes to show is that in, in DJ Moore's route running, he doesn't get low in his stance and create breakaway separation from the cornerback that's on him. This is something that I noticed a lot last year with DJ Moore, and I'm really hoping that he's going to be able to turn it on and be able to do better than that this year as it goes into his second year. Because um, your ability to make separation in the NFL, I mean, it's imperative. And we're tired of seeing you know, Cam Newton throwing the ball in the vicinity of a receiver and hoping and praying that they come down with the football. It's going to make DJ Moore's life so much easier if he masters this route running that, that, that he has to. And um, I, I'm really hoping that that's something that he does in year two. But I am hopeful for him because he does have that superstar physical ability. So I'm hopeful. Lee Trotter in the chat room says this will be Cam's best year of his career. Just got a good feeling about this season. And Underground West says DJ Moore will have a breakout season. He has all the tools. Now, you know, there was another route, too, that I think you showed earlier on Twitter when you were talking about this that same day where he didn't come back as aggressively after the ball. Um, and yes, Dante yeah. Jackson had that breakup. Now, we really don't know what was going on with DJ Moore that day. They were both in the same practice. And since then, we've seen him elevate and do some other good things, right? We've heard DJ Moore, we've heard North Turner talk about DJ Moore as um, as a guy who they just need to help, you know, essentially get him the ball quickly. I think DJ Moore is, yeah, he's just going to progress and do better. I think that I'd like to see where he's at at the end of camp. You know, um, and and then I, I think 
you know, you don't expect a sophomore slump uh, by any means, but you do want to see him get better each and every week. Now, that brings us to year three receiver who has struggled with injury, um, but arguably started to show the signs of a breakout season last year. Curtis Samuel put up some sick numbers. And actually, there's a ton of people talking about this on the internet, is uh, DJ Moore's success at in, in the slot and then Samuel's success on the outside, and maybe how you organize these guys uh, could be part of figure it, cracking that code. But Curtis Samuel is, in my opinion, has been the biggest star of this training camp to this point. He has looked, he doesn't look small. For some reason, he looks bigger, like he's wearing bigger pads out there. He looks just as fast as the wind, and he's catching deep balls like crazy. It seems like him and Cam have um, a, a certain chemistry already, Cody. They really do. Uh, and listen, how about this to to wet your whistle? Um, I, I, uh, let's go with Angle, too. This is Curtis Samuel. On Dante Jackson. Ooh, I'll dropped play. it right in the bed, bread basket. I'll play it one more time. Woo! Look at this. That ball is in the bucket. Boom. This drops it. Ted right would have dropped it. That's what Ken D's probably saying in the chat room right now. He's right. Oh, he, he absolutely would have dropped it. Uh, and listen, Curtis Samuel um, is, I mean, dude, he's just showing himself to be everything that we knew he would be. Um, and, you know, I, the comparison that I've always made for him and what I hoped he would be for us is a Tyreek Hill. Someone who's fast, creates a ton of separation, is a down-the-field threat that you know all you have to do is throw it somewhere near the end zone and Curtis Samuel is going to be somewhere to make the play. And that's that's what you want. Um, you know, Curtis Samuel, and listen, I'm just going to go ahead and call it what it is. I feel Curtis Samuel is the best wide receiver on the football team. I feel he has the highest potential. I feel that um, he has the highest physical upside. Him and DJ are incredible. And, you know, I I don't – I feel like there's already a a division amongst Panther fans. Not a division because we're on the same team, but DJ Moore fans and Curtis Samuel fans and who's going to end up being the number one wide receiver – Personally, I hope they both go off, but I, I just feel Curtis Samuel has all the stuff to be that reliant threat that creates routine separation down the field and intermediate that Cam Newton hasn't had in forever. I'm so excited about Curtis Samuel. I don't want to get in. See, I'm, for me, I when you say the division – are you talking about between people that are pro DJ Moore versus pro Curtis Samuel? Yeah, there are people who, you know, don't necessarily believe in DJ Moore as as much as they do in Curtis Samuel. And then there are people that feel that DJ Moore is gonna be the the second coming of Steve Smith, you know, and the, the jury is still out. He definitely has the attributes to be a, a great receiver. But like I said, it's the separation and the route running ability and the cuts that I have to see him get better at before I say that he has the the most talent at the receiver position that we have. I do like the fact that we're putting him in the slot because I feel that his abilities are, are made for that position. 
So I love it. I feel like we are the split, you and I. Because, right. and here's the reason, is that I'm a, a, a big Curtis Samuel fan. When they drafted him, I thought, man, this is like getting, we got two McCaffreys in the same draft. You know, yes. is, um, so I've always been high on Curtis Samuel and what he can be, but I don't think that being high on Curtis Samuel means that we have to like dump on DJ Moore. No, and that's what all. a lot of people kind of believe it means. And I do think Curtis, yeah. look, this is, and I'm coming out and tell you, this is the Curtis Samuel show right now. This training camp, he's been electric. Talk about uh, if a name that has it, look, Cam is always going to be Cam, but now you've got, Curtis Samuel's name has superseded in our conversation. Now, because we get these cool clips, Christian McCaffrey's. You know, you don't get to do that with the running backs. It's hard to see them because they're not getting tackled. It's hard to see what they can do at game speed and training camp. You know what I'm saying? They're going slow. So the receivers are always the stars in training camp. But to me, I've I yelled and screamed about this for so long on this podcast the problem with Carolina's offense for so long was is that nobody Cam Newton had to be perfect. He really had to be perfect to um to like get to be successful. Nobody could do more, right? It's like if he threw it to Kelvin Benjamin, it had to be precise. It had to be like right. zero separation. And then after they get the ball, they don't do anything. Right. Is that if right. you wanted 40 yards, you better throw the ball 40 yards. But now with guys like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, I feel like Cam doesn't. And that's what he said. I don't have to be Superman, not because I'm not Superman, but because, damn, finally, I got a supporting cast of guys who aren't may not be the prototypical players, but these guys are playmakers. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about Curtis Samuel. I would love to see them come to, into their own together is what I'm yeah. saying. Of course, listen, imagine if we have two 1,000-yard receivers on our team this year. Like, no no one's going to be complaining about that. Uh, but what you just mentioned, though, Cam Newton just kind of throwing it to a zone, to an area, and kind of hoping and praying that a receiver that's covered by a corner is going to be able to come down with the football. And by the way, Tony, this is a clip that you were talking about. Uh, DJ Moore on this play, this is what I'm saying. He has to be able to help Cam Newton on this play right here. So what ends up happening is uh, it, it Curtis Samuel is the first read on the play. Him and DJ are, are Oh, this is that the, comeback route that yeah, he was lazy on. the same route. So right now, Cam Newton sees Curtis Samuel, doesn't necessarily like what he has on that side of the field. So he decides to stop go the other way and turn and throw the ball to DJ Moore. Now, how does he do, how do these guys process this quick? So if I, look, his arm as, is about to throw. As I have it paused, DJ Moore is supposed to be running back to Cam Newton, making his way to the football. Well, it's a curl route. It's a curl route. But when he yeah, sees the ball come route, but DJ doesn't do his job on the play making enough separation from Dante Jackson, because when you don't do that and you're facing a player as fast as Dante is, this is what happens. Dante makes a break on the football, and and hell, that that's the type of play that can go the opposite direction. Yeah, to the house. Home. You got to help your quarterback there. You got to help your quarterback. 
but you know, second, you know, second year play, we're going to see this. We're going to see him get better. I hope he, he seems like a guy who's going to learn from things like that, not be a headache. Right. Uh, or let down, I will say, all right. What are the names that we're not talking about? We're not hearing in this camp that either surprise you or, um, you're happy that you're not hearing about. Say it one more time. Your my audio cut out. What are some of the names that you haven't heard so far that either surprise yeah. you that you haven't heard about them, or um, you're glad you're not hearing about them? Um, I'm surprised I haven't heard a little more from Christian Miller. That's our fourth round draft pick uh, who been drafted as an outside linebacker. Um, I'm hoping that'll change as time goes on. He's not going to um, see the field one time this year. Other than special, no, I, I I disagree. I disagree. I, I think that he provides the type of uh, pass rush ability that they're going to be able to get something out of him sooner rather than later. I, how, how about this? I'm more confident in a rookie uh, Christian Miller than I am a what second or third year Marcus Hands from Ole Miss. I, I just think Miller has more natural bend ability. I haven't heard his name one time. Yeah, I haven't heard his name one time. Um, Ian Thomas is another name uh, that's been surprisingly quiet. Haven't heard a lot from him. Uh, and then a few of the other drafted players. Haven't heard a lot from Jordan Scarlett. Um, Terry Godwin is another one. Um, and then, um, yeah, those are the, the names that pop in my mind. I don't Lynn know asks you know. if we are, was uh, Miller coming off back from injury? What Christian Miller? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. So he, yeah. He, so in college, he had a um, a hamstring. Uh, no, it wasn't a hamstring. Uh, the, his injury uh, escapes me at the moment. But uh, he was healthy uh, to train and to do the combine and do all these things. And um, he is uh, healthy now, I believe. And I have seen some clips of him. Um, I'm just hoping to see more of him. I, I do feel that that's another defensive player that's going to be able to make an impact um, sooner rather than later. So Evil I'm Warrior, Evil Warrior two fifty four says Haynes is having a good camp. I mean, I'm how you must be at camp because yeah. I, I have yeah, not I seen that. any. I've not seen his name mentioned. Now, uh, to me, also Kyle D says, uh, "Haven't heard Galden getting toasted." Is uh, uh, that might be good? You know, he did have a little. He looked a little slow in the beginning. It sounds like too that you're starting to hear Ross Cockrell. Is they're really trying? They have not figured out that free safety position yet. Galden no. is fighting uh, for to be in that rotation, and it doesn't look like he's seizing the moment just yet. Ross Cockrell getting some time at free safety. I kind of like this idea because I feel like um, it would be nice to have Cockrell, Dante Jackson, and Bradbury on the field at the same time. Now, that's a name, again, I think that we um, haven't heard, and I'm actually a little worried about, James Bradbury. James Bradbury had a has been a solid 
starting corner throughout his career at Carolina. Drafted from a small school in the second round, asked to start from day one. A lot put on his plate, and I think he's answered the call a lot. He's been missing in action, though. He was not in the All or Nothing series. We saw him on the ass end of some big plays last year, particularly that Juju Smith 98 yard touchdown that was with Bradbury involved but he did have a good season he's going into a contract year but I tell you what is I ain't hearing him about Bradbury making a ton of plays in camp and I continue to hear about Curtis Samuel making plays over all of these guys so I wonder what's going on with Bradbury but Cody you know what I'm happy about that we haven't heard Haynes's name and Miller's name that we haven't heard um, about some guard that a uh, walk-on guard who is really trying to, you know, seize the moment or, or whatever, is that finally, finally, a training camp, Cody, where the names we're hearing, the excitement that is brewing, are about the players it's supposed to be about. We should be talking about Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. We should be talking about Cam Newton. We should be talking about number one draft pick Brian Burns or Gerald McCoy and uh, all of these, uh, Luke Keekley, all of these names. We have for so many years since I've been doing this show had to basically put lipstick on a pig with a bunch of players whether yeah. it be Russell Shepard, remember Russell Shepard having the greatest camp uh, you could be, D- our boy, my boy, Demir Bird. We latched onto these names that we hope could be these diamonds in the rough. Finally, we got some diamonds that we just are appraising, finally. Yeah, I mean, these are premium draft picks, players that you want to become the future face of your franchise. Uh, guys that are gonna, um, you know, be, be the, they're gonna be the reason why you have a high-powered, successful offense. Guys like Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. I mean, this has been, you know, over two years of effort to finally put some solid offensive weapons around Cam Newton, and uh, you know, you couldn't do it with two better young prospects than DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And now you add an all-tie or a multi-purpose running back uh, like Christian McCaffrey, who can rush for a thousand yards, receive a thousand yards. Um, he's so versatile. He represents the uh, the ability to keep the defense honest because they, the defense doesn't know how we're going to use McCaffrey. We have so many options that we can uh, that we have at our disposal with Christian that we have the ability to be versatile on offense and you throw in Cam Newton and his ability to scramble and make the plays. And, yeah, we're talking about premium players that we drafted. We're not depending on bubble players to come and be the hero uh, that we've so desperately been wanting. We have put premium picks into important positions on offense. And, yeah, you're right. I I genuinely feel like they're paying off and we're going to see the return of – uh, the the fruit of our of our labors at the end of this season. We haven't heard to, we haven't had to hear Pollen Pone's name either. We, he's the name. I think that's what Pat Coltrane Pat Coltrane calls him because he hates him so much he won't even say his real name. It might not be far off, which is the sad. Thing. Uh, um, but all right. What well, uh, Lynn? I meant Lynn. Um, Ken D said 
he's interested in in this defense is really more than the offense in this training camp. We got a lot to say about the defense. We're going to come back to that, but let's take a quick break and then and let's squeeze in these cat calls and see where we're at. Let you guys take over the show for a minute uh, so we don't double talk everything like we tend, like I tend to do. All right, let's see what you guys got for us. So what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Hey guys, uh, I enjoy listening to your show. I listen to it pretty often. Uh, but there was one thing on the last podcast that I kind of disagreed with. Um, you were talking about how I think you played the clip of Reggie Bush uh, oh, yeah. and Colin Cowherd talking about Cam Newton's focus not being on football. Well, I've got to say I kind of agree with that. I mean... And I'm going to get ridiculed as a Panthers fan for saying this. <laughs> yep. <but laughs> man, look at the record in the past five, six years. I think it's honestly been since before Cam Newton. It's six and ten, twelve and four, six and ten, eleven and five, ten and six, seven, eight and one. I mean, there's no consistency to the Carolina Panthers. And as the team goes, the quarterback goes. Um, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes in with Cam Newton is the inconsistencies, and we're so quick to defend him. And honestly, I do think he's the future of our franchise still. I still believe in Cam Newton, but I need for Cam Newton to get his head right. Come on, man. Uh, you have to see a little bit of that inconsistency, and it has to be frustrating as a fan to sit back and look and say, you know, come on. It, we're ten and six one year, and then seven and nine the next. One year we're first in the you division, gotta, and the uh, next year we're last. All right, so, so you've got to understand where I'm coming from. All look, right, thanks, guys. Is we're not gonna. Thanks for the call. The number's two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Now prepare to be ridiculed. <laughs> um, yeah. Now is this is that look is it's one thing it's one thing to say, um that cam has been inconsistent throughout his career it's been another thing to it's another thing however to say that cam's inconsistencies are because of his lack of commitment uh lack of focus lack of effort like they implied it was is that yeah at cam at at times cam has been totally awesome at times he has been you know he's still been better than most though even in his worst moments but see, here's what we have to dispel, though. Like, one of the things that he's saying is that we're, we're, we're so up and down, which, by the way, that's the way the Panthers have been. We've Historically. Never that means we've yeah. never been focused yeah. as we've a team, period. Winning seasons as as the Panthers ever. So to say that that's, that that's because Cam Newton isn't putting the time in is honestly, I mean, if that's the way you feel, fine. But I mean, the first in the first episode of the show, it shows Cam Newton by you know in the in the practice room going over the playbook. Cam Newton is doing his job. Cam Newton is going over the plays and knowing what he has to do and trying to tell the receivers what page to be on. He does it on the sideline. 
that does it in the practice room. This is something that we know about Cam Newton. So to the caller, it's unfair to say, oh, we have a good season and a bad season and a good season and a bad season, and then say that, oh, well, it's because Cam Newton's head isn't in the game. That just isn't true. Now, I'm not saying that Cam Newton can't be better. Every player can be a better version of himself. No one's making excuses. Everyone says that we make excuses for Cam Newton. That's not what we do. But what did you and I just get done talking about, Tony? The excitement that we have about the, the draft picks that we put in. Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. We're talking about guys that have been drafted in the last two years. This is recent. So Cam Newton has been having to make to do with a bunch of nothing, with with a bunch of fat, slow wide receivers that don't separate. And and he is the the rushing attack on top of that. And then we put all the blame on him when the season doesn't go the right way. It's just unfair. It's a double standard. And it shows what Cam Newton has had to do for the team since he's been here. Well, I'd be interested to see if the caller has seen all or nothing because I felt like a lot of those types of things, those easy snipes at Cam, were largely dispelled in that show. Another thing, too, is that, yes, is that, look, is um, is Cam perfect? No, but the inconsistencies, too, have rung on all aspects of this team, from the coaching staff um, to the play call. I mean, look at what he... Now, I will say, and it does sound an excuse when we say, like, he hasn't had enough talent around him, this and that, but you're talking on multiple levels problems here. You're talking about problems with the supporting cast. You're talking about problems with the offensive line. You're talking about questions surrounding the offensive play calling of Mike Shula, his ability uh, to get the most out of his players. You're hearing, you, you saw this is for the first Seven. I mean, basically, it was Mike Shula and Ken Dorsey or his quarterback coaches, and all of a sudden, we're seeing under Turner uh, a, a lot more focus, and, and and it's blossoming. And as Ken D pointed out, hurt shoulder last year, we go from six and two to one and seven. So it's not like he lost focus last year; he just lost his throwing ability. Yeah, the ability to do what he's paid to do. On top of that, uh, one of the things is that Norv Turner was on uh, WFNZ. WFNZ has great uh, training camp coverage. I love when football's back because I'll listen to to this. You know, it's just so hard to be invested in sports in Charlotte when there's no football going on. So I'm back on the WFNZ every morning type train listening to – uh, Mac Attack and all the shows. I love them because they're all Panthers almost all day. Now, um, they have some pretty cool training camp coverage. And one of the things they went down is to Spartanburg. I think this, it was either yesterday or Sunday. It was recently. They go down there and they get the players to come in. And they sat down with North Turner. And North Turner talked to them and they asked, "What's the, somebody asked, what was the thing that's most surprised you about Cam? And North Turner said, I'm not surprised by it because I have known Cam like uh, Scott has had a history with him. They worked together back when Chudzinski was the offensive coordinator. Scott Turner was here. So he had uh, a feeling about Cam. Remember, Norv chose to come here. He was in retirement, and he chose to come here here to Carolina. So that says something about what he saw, the potential with Cam Newton as a quarterback. 
He said, I'm not surprised by it because I knew Cam, but what I admire most is how hard he works. And yeah. uh, so he's getting praise from North Turner on that. So that's pretty cool uh, in that way. Um, you know, is I don't know. I don't know. Is that That's all I got to say about that call. I think he comes back for round two. Let's see what he's got. Hey, guys, it's me again. I think I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, you might not want to after Tyler, that. I'm from <laughs> Just kidding. The western Just part of North Carolina in a small town called Spruce Pine. Uh, What's up, Tyler? We appreciate it. Just listen to the rest of that clip with Reggie Bush and uh, Colin Cowherd, and I'm not saying that I agree with them on everything, but the one thing that I do agree with them on is I feel like Cam Newton is a little bit distracted. I think he's got his hands in a little bit too much, um, and I think that's what causes the inconsistencies. I just think that what makes us think this though. Is. And I'm not saying that the guy doesn't work hard. I did watch All or Nothing, and I saw okay. where he was rolling into the facility before anybody got there when it was dark in Charlotte. All right. Um, nice. I understand good that call. he eats right. Uh, he's a vegan. He works his butt off in the weight room. You can tell just by looking at him. But I think the film study, um, I think all that comes into play with this focus. Uh, he just to me, loses focus from year to year. And I think this next season is going to be a positive one, but what about the one after that? All these great quarterbacks like uh, Drew Brees, and I hate to say Tom Do Brady, not say but Andrew good. Luck. I'm uh, Peyton Manning. Um, say his name. You're going to get bounced. I can't even think right now. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. All these good quarterbacks have been consistent. They're also and 20 years the into their, their career. Consistency. And with Cam Newton, it's just not there right now. And I hope that it comes. I hope he gets it. But I just think he's got his hand in way too many things right now. That All right. Thanks for the call, Tyler. Uh, the number is 252-228-598. Go ahead. And I just want to mention one more thing. And also, and listen, not to be unfair, Tyler, and listen, you know, Tony and I, we need to talk about um, getting to – we need to do some fan episodes where we just have some back and forth with the people and like dedicate a show to it. I think that would be fun, especially before the season. But um, like, to what Tyler is saying, I got to be honest with you, Tyler. And thanks for the call, man. We're glad that you enjoyed the show. And listen, we accept all comers of all opinions. As long as you can, you know, advocate what you're Unless you saying. talk nice about the Falcons. Yeah, then that's then, a no-go. Sorry, then you're actually uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, to the pit of misery. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to be honest, Tyler. It kind of seems rooted in certain stereotypes of, well, you know, he's into fashion and he likes this and that. So that must mean that instead of thinking about the X's and O's in footballs, he's thinking about what hat he's going to wear and, and, and what fedora or whatever and vest. And, and in my mind, that's just not true. You can be fascinated and interested in multiple different things and still be able to do your job. And he mentioned Drew Brees, and I want to echo this and really put this forward. Drew Brees was not Drew Brees until it got to New Orleans. Amen. Amen. He could have disappeared. They drafted a damn quarterback over him. San Diego, Drew Brees, was not the type of player – that you know today. Some players turn it on later than others. And we've already seen Cam Newton turn it on, be the MVP of the NFL, 
bring his team to the Super Bowl and be the most dominant player on the field day in and day out. So it's, I have no question about Cam Newton's work ethic or ability. I know it's all in, and I'm looking forward to seeing more proof. So uh, <laughs> Underground West says, caller violating the Panther rules in the chat room. Uh, yeah. You know, what we got is, uh, you know, just point out some other things, too, with Drew Brees. Like you said, Drew Brees, marriage with Sean Payton did wonders for his career. On top of that, right. they drafted they drafted Eli Manning originally, and then Eli Manning put the foot down and said he wasn't going there, and then they got Philip Rivers. But if you look at this, is for instance, Mass, Matt, Matthew Stafford's been in the league one year less than Cam, and you want to talk about? I feel like Cam has uh, been consistent, and that is he's consistently Cam, like he's consistently spectacular and gives you the ability to win with just him alone. And then at times he's maddingly, he misses the madding, mat, it's madding, ma- maddening, maddeningly frustrated, infuriated when he misses the easy throw. Right. But I mean, you know, you kind of have to take the good with the bad. I think the other thing with the fashion, let me point this out guys, is that I actually see this as a good thing is that, yeah, it's quirky. He goes to Paris. He does this. He dresses like to the, you know, and we're in love with Cam. So we're all right with the fashion, but he's involved in things that are healthy. And I'm not saying physically healthy is that he's not like an owner of a strip club. Well, even though his wife used to be probably not, best, <laughs> not the best example. But what I'm saying is this, is that I feel like these are things that nerds do. You know, is that like I can't party. I can't smoke dope. I can't uh, drink in this. So I smoke cigars, which is cool. And, you know, you don't inhale it, so it's not messing with your ability to run. On top of that, like, he's doing things that are, that stay-at-home nerd stuff that doesn't get you in trouble. And listen, if you didn't care, you're not cutting all meat out of your diet. You're not trying, listen, we don't say that Cam Newton's around. You're not cutting out the other thing out of your diet, too, which he did. Yeah, he was cutting off the love-making, man, that... Listen, there is, I mean, listen, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but people that know, people that follow the football team, I just really don't understand how some people question the dedication and then put it all on him when they see what he's had to deal with uh, and and all the terrible offensive line play and receivers that that don't separate. Cam has had, uh, had to overcome a lot. And it's been incredible the entire time. He's had his ups and downs, but there's no one I'd rather have other than number one under Singer, man. Hey, man. Not that, not How about this? Is Look at the crap that's going down with Aaron Rodgers. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is turning out be You want to talk about a guy that's hard to work with right now? It turns out it's Aaron Rodgers at this point. So a lot of the things that we take for granted, you know, we're just happy to have them. Uh, and also, this gives me an opportunity to play this. Cowherd. Reggie Bush. C3. New N. Panthers. Panthers. There you go. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Uh, let's get into the next call. Let me see. 
Hi guys, it's Rich. I'm phoning a day early because I've had some thoughts. This might not be my only call. What are we going to do on the outside? Um, okay. Well, I get out in six months. I've been thinking about it forever. Ripping it up. Bruce Irvin sounds like, well, it's, it's training camp, but it's Bruce Irvin of two or three years ago by the sound of it. Um, the stats said he wasn't as bad last year, actually, between the two places. I think he was in two places. Uh, as people thought, he didn't really drop off like people are saying, and it now sounds like he's going to start. We've got Miller and Burns, which I've trademarked as a name for a uh, crime-fighting duo as well. If you think Crockett and Tubbs is good, Miller and Burns is better. Um, <laughs> as, you know, the coming guys. So, you know, we've got our four outside kind of linebackers, but... Marky Haynes is getting first-team reps, and I'm all for it. A guy with the sack production he had at college, it was... I don't know... It would be weird to say that they moved to 3-4 just for him, but clearly, having drafted him, it, it makes sense to try and get something out of somebody. So that, that gives you five guys that are playing the outside linebacker or the edge, if you like. Okay, we've then got F.A. Obada, who... I'm not being biased here, but FA's potential because he's massive. Um, I, I mean, haven't heard his when, name. When Brian Burns fills out, he'll be as big as FA. FA's six six and like two sixty five, two seventy. Um, I, I don't know whether they bulk him up or strip him down, but you know, is a physical specimen with hunger and talent to hang on to. I mean, I'm wondering whether Brian Cox and um, uh, is it Wes Horton are the, are the two to miss, but. I don't know, because they're really the defensive end. Those are, if we go 4-3, which is seeming more and more unlikely by the day, just by from what everybody's saying. Told you. Um, don't know. Anyway, throw this one around. I mean, we've got, I mean, it's the same in all position groups. I mean, we're going to cut half the wide receivers, and yet they're all half decent. Um, outside of Curtis Samuel, who uh, the, the league is going to be on notice, because Curtis is clearly just faster than anybody. Um which is a glorious sight to behold. Anyway, it is right, glorious. Now, but expect another call at some time. Um, loving your stuff, guys. Keep bounding. Bye. So it's a great time to shift the conversation to the defense. That's what we we're going to yeah. talk about afterwards. So let's go ahead and bring this up. Who will be the outside guys? Uh, right now there are – here, I'll read them off to you. The defensive ends listed on the roster currently are Mario Addison, Brian Cox Jr., Marquise Haynes, and F.A. Obata. Defensive tackles, Vernon Butler, Woodrow Hamilton, don't know him, Bahan Jackson, Kyle Love, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, uh, Kwan Short. Uh, we have so many. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven defensive tackle on, tackles on the roster right now. Yeah, and, and this actually leads me in to a point. So, one of our new listeners, Anthony Neshi, is in the – I hope I'm saying that right – is in the chat, and he wants to hear, hear us talk about uh, the hybrid defense. And so, listen, Tony, you and I have been going back and forth, and I'm not really disagreeing with you. I do think that it, it's going to be more than a 50-50 split. We're going to be in more of a 3-4 look than we are in the base 4-3. Um, I do think that we are still going to see 4-3 uh, base defense out of the Panthers, just nowhere near as much. But I love that because my mindset is the most valuable pass rushing position in the NFL is the defensive tackle position. 
because they destroy the pocket that the quarterback has to work from. So if you have Don Taipo, Gerald McCoy, and K1 Short destroying the middle of the pocket and two agile edge players like either Mario Addison or Brian Burns or Bruce Irvin uh, or, or, or Christian Miller, you have these agile do-it-all defensive end type players that can also branch out into coverage. It makes you more versatile and it's better suited for an NFL that has all these different types of mobile quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we're going to be playing Kyler Murray this year. Kyler Murray's going to be a handful. So whenever you're able to destroy the interior of the offensive line, I, I really do think that that's what's going to cause um, our defense to be the most successful and allow our defensive backfield to be able to play faster. So I'm loving the idea of a hybrid defense, and I love how much emphasis we're putting on the defensive tackle position so that way we're able to be more agile and more mobile at the defensive end position slash outside linebacker. So I'm loving it. Um, we should be fast as hell. Fast as hell. Um, all right, so this is who I see. Ha- this is what I see happen. I see day one, right? Day one starting lineup is going to be Don Terry Poe in the middle. By the way, I've got my first. Re- um, uh, you you guys might be courting me to the negative side on Don Terry Poe. I heard him in an interview on WFNZ, I believe, or somewhere, and you know they were asking him like how like what he was unhappy with about his game last year and he really didn't point out any single thing like he acted like he was he's i've been in the league a long time i just do my job and keep doing you know he sounded very um no you know didn't get too high too low very just even keel on this but what i didn't like about this is i felt like he had already believed and entrenched that his play was just fine and uh, that's okay is that if he just wants to be an okay nose tackle or better than average one then that's fine but I still think that Don Terry Poe is like he could be like I want him to say is that I want to be the best defensive tackle in the league like let me hear that even if you're not going to be it like I want to hear you uh wanting that setting those expectations for yourself so that's the first right as I've been trying to be the Don Terry Poe defender for the last year two years i was excited about it hasn't been as you know i'm excited to see him in the scheme though that's what i've been asking the reporters about is how who's out there how how's poe looking in the scheme they say it's too early to tell but i think it's gonna be this i think it's gonna be poe in the middle i think you're gonna have uh kk to to the left of him gerald mccoy to the to the right of him and then i think and i think you're gonna have um mario addison and um i bet you this is you probably see Brian Burns, I mean, Bruce Irvin out there more than Brian Ern, Burns to start the season. So I think that's what it's really going to look like. I think you rotate then in, you change that up, and you bring in Kyle Love, substitute him with um, Dontari Poe. You probably put Vernon Butler out there in that lineup, and then you also want to put F.A. That's what I think would make another good three right there. Then you drop Brian Burns out there um, with – a with Bruce Irvin or 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 Mark you know and Mario Addison you kind of rotate in that direction that's what I'm expecting to see there um it does seem like we are moving more and more to the three four look I've not heard anybody talking about uh, any four three looks in practice I saw someone say exclusively three four in the first day of practice um 
so I, I am excited about this. Now, one of the things, though, is um, let's uh, here. Was this a defensive rebuild, Cody? Absolutely. How is it anything other than a defensive rebuild? I mean, think of it this way. We completely reinvented and rebuilt our pass rush. We're not going to have to def- uh, There's still some on- anchors there with Mario Addison no, and KK. No, but okay, so Mario Addison was a person was a player that was converted from a 3-4 outside linebacker into a 4-3 defensive end anyway. Kind of like how John Tari Poe was a nose tackle before uh, he got converted into that one tech in a 4-3. So we have players that are already built for this kind of style. But, man, then when you look at the addition of Gerald McCoy, I mean, I, I touched on it a little bit, but if and, and you said it too. If you have John Tari Poe in the middle, Gerald McCoy on the left, K1 Short on the right, you only have so many offensive linemen. Who are you going to double team in that scenario? Are you going to do it to Don Tari Poe? It's going to cool. be a wreck, man. Like, at this point, I'm so excited about this defense. Like, they could have 70 sacks, I feel like. Imagine if you're able to if you're able to give, and this is why I like the 3-4, you're going to be able to give so many people a one-on-one matchup. If Don Tari Poe is able to draw two at a time, like a zero technique should be able to do, you're talking about giving Gerald McCoy, K1 Short, Mario Addison, you're talking about giving these guys one-on-one matchups with their defender. They only have to beat one player to get to the quarterback and get to the running back. I mean, listen, having Luke Kuechly as the centerpiece of your defense is always going to be the most important thing. But think about how faster our linebackers move when we have a pass rush that's getting home. It makes their jobs even easier to do. I mean, I don't know how you would call this anything other than a full rebuild with a lot of important defensive players added to the team. All right, play Q um, Gerald McCoy for me, and I'll tell you how I thought after the clip. I'll tell you, well, last at the end of last season, I thought this was going to be a full rebuild, but I'm starting to think it's actually a strength. It's a it's a dramatic retool. But go ahead and play the Gerald McCoy clip. You guys are going to love this guy. And by the way, before I play it, let me just say, he had the coldest drip I out of everyone in training since camp, I was man. 18. You've been camping. You know, I, I don't know nothing about this. So I got a bed reserved, got a TV, got a refrigerator. Then I was told, you know, you're probably going to need a golf cart. Because I'm like, what in the world? Where are we going? It's football, man. Like, I'm actually excited and interested to see how it goes because I've never done anything like this for a training camp. Long as it's grass, I got shoulder pads, helmet, and some cleats. We're gonna be all right. He was ready for the Lion King to come out. This yeah. is your training camp. I know that, but this gonna work. I'll be good, man. I'll be good. I ain't picking. All right, uh, shout out Panthers Media for giving us that inside tip right there. Look, is that Gerald McCoy, man, is such a likable dude, such a likable guy. Here's my argument for why it's not a rebuild. I think, if anything, the most dramatic part is just the switch because we are switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Don't get it twisted, folks. Get this hybrid mess out of your mind. It's not a hybrid. We are changing the way that this defense is going to operate. Now, What I thought was cool is this, is that the Panthers, I think, by bringing in Gerald McCoy, 
I think by bringing in Bruce Irvin, by bringing in then some youngins with Brian Burns, right, um, is that, yeah, there's a lot of new faces here, but I think there's a balance to who you brought in where you get some new veteran presence here, guys that have been proven in the league, that can give you leadership, that can be mentors, that can be coaches on the field that we have confidence in. You pair that with the optimism of some of these younger players like a Burns and a Miller in this new scheme, but then you still have some anchors there. I think having Luke Keekley there, I think bringing back Eric Reed for another year at strong safety, I think Shaq Thompson being a part of this team for so long is that I at first thought it was a full rebuild, but I'm just thinking, man, we really, you know, just kind of refitted in a, and, and then the change of scheme makes it feel so dramatic. I know that's splitting hairs, Cody, because you're really right. At the end of the day, this is going to be completely – we went out and all of a sudden went from a team that had a defensive line that couldn't do anything last year to now um, is going to be you know exciting. But we were also like that at the beginning of last year. Well, but – and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, we really had a lot of false – hope in Julius Peppers because we thought that Julius Peppers was going to be able to do the same thing. Ten more sacks? Yeah. He wasn't even the worst player on the team, though. It wasn't the worst player on the end. You know, we 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 got Poe. We thought we were going to, that was going to be awesome. Yeah, Dontari Poe was not the kind of player that we wanted him to be. And, And then I think you even said this in the middle of the season, the fact that we didn't ever have consistent edge pressure meant that our defensive interior K1 and Dontari Poe, they were just left to kind of deal with double teams and, and all kinds of chip blocks from running backs. And yeah, they weren't they weren't playing collaborative football last year. But when you look at solid veterans like Bruce Irvin, Gerald McCoy, you add in two dynamic young edge rushers in Brian Burns and Christian Miller, who if it wasn't for the injuries would have been an even higher draft choice. I mean, listen, it, the pass rush is everything on defense. It allows your linebackers and your defensive backs to play faster. And I mean, we, we added four more, essentially four more extra pass rushers over the course of the offseason. I mean, that's, that, that's far more – I don't remember the last time the Panthers have ever had this much of a defensive overhaul. Yeah, overhaul is probably the best word, better than retool and rebuild, because a rebuild to me suggests that it's going to take time to develop the core. Right now, I feel like all of a sudden you were able to mix those veterans with the youngins in a way that makes this like they are going to uh, just step, lockstep, be right off from the top. Now, a lot of contention to don't worry, Anthony, don't take... uh, my uh, aggressive stance on this 3-4 to um, contradict everything you guys are saying because I am the oddball. Everybody keeps saying it's going to be a hybrid. Uh, they keep referencing those coach-speak terms where it's like we're going to adapt to our opponent, this and that. But really, uh, at the end of the day, I think this, we're going to be in 3-4 or we're going to be in nickel. And if that's what you consider a hybrid defense, then so be it. But you didn't call our defense last year a hybrid, and we were in 4-3 or nickel. 
right? That was it. We were 4-3 or nickel. We didn't call that a hybrid. We called it a 4-3 base that any time because we had to be in a nickel and passing downs. I think it would be very similar to that, just 3-4. But yeah, I might be wrong, but the personnel to me, the way they're looking in training camp to me says there's going to be a bunch of guys. Come, there's always going to be a guy blitzing now. There will always be someone standing up blitzing, whether it's Bruce Irvin every time, whether it's uh, Shaq Thompson coming. There are going to be guys coming after this quarterback in addition to Derek Reed. Yeah. So now let's go back to this. Is um, Let's talk quickly about continuing to talk about this defense. To me, uh, a storyline's come out. Brian Burns and Greg Little. They are round one pick and round two pick for the Carolina Panthers. And a lot of uh, people have pointed out that Brian Burns is toasting Greg Little at every turn. Let's go ahead and see what it looks like uh, to be toasted by Brian Burns. I actually have two clips here. I'll play this one because we already played it before. I showed you this uh, with the DJ Moore banana route. But if you keep your eyes on the bottom of the screen – with his hand in the dirt, look at what our man Brian Burns does to second-round pick Greg Little. On the left side of the defensive line, zoom just right well, around. Well, right him. side of the defensive line, left side of the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Side of the offensive line. Man, listen, if it wasn't uh, – I'll play that one one more time. If it wasn't for it being practiced – Brian Burns would have lit Cam Newton up on that play right there. That is speed coming off of the edge. Um, And sadly, unfortunately for Greg Little, uh, that was not the only time that he would fall victim to Spider-Man. Play it one more time. Yeah, this is one of them. Well, this is... I don't know if this is one on one. Is that what that's considered? Because the yeah, other guys, oh, yeah, because the other guys are just holding their place place now, markers. By the way, all of these drills are always meant to favor the defense. The defense will always have an advantage in these. Similar one-on-one. to how the receivers and the quarterback have an advantage in passing drills. Yeah, and so by the way, Greg didn't even do a lot wrong. Um, his figure underneath him. Uh, he's uh, he has a good movement and his and his backup uh, in how he kick sets, but he just shoots his hands too early on such a fast, dynamic player like Brian Burns, and Brian Burns is going to be able to use that and, and move back on the inside every single time. Um, Greg Little really needs to learn some patience and wait for the defender to come to him to be able to use that reach to be able to disengage um, and and put some distance between yourself and the defender. But, man, Brian Burns, I mean, I I cannot remember the last time we had that explosive of an edge rusher on the end of the defensive line, man. I mean, how could you not be excited about that guy right there, man? Brian Burns, he's a monster, man. I love that he refers to himself as Spider-Man. Uh, listen, we have the modern day Avengers here in Carolina, folks. Le- uh, Lynn says, I'm hearing more and more that D- uh, Daryl Williams will start over little at left tackle. Yeah. Now, um, it would not be uh, entirely surprising that this was would be the case. In many instances, when we were originally speculating on what the Panthers 
defense offensive line would look back if we went back before the draft we were talking about Moten going to the left Daryl Williams going to the right and then people are you know arguing over that well it appears that Moten is entrenched in the right tackle position they're not interested in trying him out now um what do you think about Daryl Williams and Greg Little battling? Do you think Greg Little has a chance uh, to win the starting job? Do you think that they're going to, you know, just like Ken Dye says, uh, he says he will be um, he will be the starting left tackle nine plays before he gets hurt, then Little will start. That's funny. That's really funny and uh, terrible at the same time. Well, so my mindset is this. If Greg Little is not playing – uh, is not going to start, and Daryl Williams plays at left tackle, well, then who plays at left guard? Because I think that we were all kind of assuming that if Greg Little played left tackle, then you put Daryl Williams at left guard, then Paradis, then Turner, and then Moten. Um, but that really leaves the left side of the offensive line in kind of a bad way. Um, I'm, I'm still pulling for Greg Little. So listen, man, the playing left tackle – is not an easy job to do. I'm here to tell you. And especially if you're a rookie going into your first season in the NFL. Against like, one of the most touted pass rushers in the draft. Draft. And then you're, I mean, listen, there's so much to learn, so much you have to pick up. Um, there are going to be a lot of growing pains with Greg Little early on. But I'm still hopeful right now. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, that I see enough evidence in the preseason, I'm hoping that Greg Little starts at left tackle. And I want Daryl Williams to move in to, to guard yeah, because I don't I, agree. I don't know. Because then who do they put at guard? Do they only want Little as a left tackle? Or do they put Little at left guard? Or do they go with Van Roten uh, like they did last year? And personally, I'm not a fan of uh, Van Roten. He's not terrible. Um, he's a good stopgap left guard, but he's not someone that you want to be the entrenched starter on your football team. I so, tell you, there's not a lot of names at guard that have a lot uh, of recognition. Kofi uh, Amici, uh, Brandon Green, Taylor Hearn, Dorian Johnson, Kit O'Brien, Norman Price, Trey Turner. Obviously, he's on the right guard. Greg Van Roten. So... Um, I don't know. Didn't we draft a kid? As it was, it Taylor Hearn? Who did we draft? So we drafted uh, the kid from South Carolina. South I forget Carolina. His name. And why is he not listed on the he Panthers was, roster? Um, or he might have been undrafted. Uh, he's the the left tackle from South Carolina. I forget his name right now. Um, that's another guy that we might consider um, bumping over the guard. Um, I kind of felt. Oh, really Larson! Larson could play guard. Maybe. Oh, from Clemson, uh, Clemson, yeah. No, Tyler Larson, uh, Utah State. Oh, he Tyler Larson, yeah. And we, we forget and we about him. him too. Yeah, we've forgotten all about him. Um, okay. um, so now this led to a these clips led to a ter uh, unhappy place for me on the internet, and that is this talk. Right. Uh, you show that one on one clip and then you hear immediately on the Internet, people say, um, is this a sign that Brian Burns is really great or that Greg Little is not, you know, and first. OK, this is I mean, this is what the, the Internet is at times, the lowest common denominator of analysis. Right. Um, 
I think that that is a premature conversation to have by far. I think that it's probably supposed to look like this period is that um, if you drafted a guy at 16, you would think that he would be more pro ready at that first moment than the guy that you drafted in the second round. Right. We all Shout out to Tizzy. That's the South Carolina guy. Who? Uh, oh, Dennis Dale. Yeah. Then the other thing about this is is that we all know that any pro-ready day one polished left tackle goes in the top five. You know, is that it, all of the tackles in this draft had some warts with, on them, like some questions about how quickly they could step in and be. That's why they all fell in the first round. Um, so I think that's another thing. Then the last thing that really bothered me about this, and I do believe this is a sign of why this person has not moved up the ranks of Panther media notoriety, local media and all of this, is the Jeremy Igo guy that runs the Carolina Huddle. It's the longest probably Panthers website that's been available, a forum. Um, he's been a photographer on the field media pass access but he's just a giant jerk and this guy has been going to panther training camps for like 12 or 15 years now and he put that tweet out is this a sign that brian burns is really good or is this worrisome about little that's the last person i would think that should have this kind of take cody i'm okay with a 20 year old kid from whatever saying it i'm okay with the internet draft scout guy who is just uh, starting his youtube channel uh i'm even uh, you know is that but to me when you're at these camps you should have some perspective i think that what you see in singular drills is not indicative of what is going to come and it's just a poor way of looking at it i think yeah, and l- listen, like I said, your your rookie season in the NFL, I cannot tell you how different, you know, it might not seem like it, but the college game and what you're asked to do really is a lot different than the NFL. Terminology can be different, and then uh, technique among different offensive line coaches is different. And listen, I've been doing scouting myself. Those of you that follow the channel know that. I absolutely hated watching Ole Miss's offense, dude. That whole offense was so terrible. And that's where Greg Little comes from. So there, there's going to be a, 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 a grace period where Greg Little is going to have to get his feet underneath him, literally and figuratively, and he's going to have to be coached up on a lot of things. And there's going to be moments um, that it, he might get a little bit overwhelmed, and, and that's going to happen. He might get Cam blown up a time or two if he ends up starting. But, yeah, Jeremy Agle is someone that doesn't, you know, he vaguely follows who he thinks the Panthers should draft, but he has no idea the 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 um, needs of other teams and, and who's going to go where. Jeremy Igo says a lot of dumb shit. Um, well, Lynn and, and says then, that. All right, so Lynn, to be fair, uh, Lynn's saying is that he's doing this on purpose. That it's yeah, tongue in cheek. Sure. Is now if this is to stir the pot, then if we did that, I feel like people would bash me for being a hot taker. Right. Yeah. Um. Is is that that's the tactic that Colin Cowherd uses then? 
you know, yeah, pot stir. And I just didn't, I just don't know what I, t what I said is this is I, I was not mean to him in the reply. I did say it is weird. Someone going to the camp so long puts this perspective out there. We should probably just be optimistic about both. And thank God it's not damn Byron Bell or Matt Khalil. I don't care. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So, um, so is that to me? I just thought I was wondering why that's the case. I don't think I, th I think we should be very optimistic about Brian Burns. He's a first round pick. He better be looking good in camp on the first day, right? Yeah. I think we need to be excited that the Panthers believe that they found somebody in the second round that could step in to be that at hell that they might even be given the starting job right off the bat. They don't know. I think that's lucky. I'm optim. I'm I'm happy to see uh, the Panthers investing in this position. And look at how many prospects have been locks at this uh, going into the draft that have just been total busts. Eric Flowers is the one, is one. There's a lot of names out there. I'm ha I think Greg Little is going to be a nice fit on this team. Um, I don't know if he will be a, you know, he's going to, Top five left tackles have a lot of growing pains when they start their first year. Who's the guy that the Falcons drafted? Um, God, what is his name? This year? No, this is several years ago to be their left tackle. I think his dad had played in the NFL. Matt, something. Their left tackle, they got him at like the third pick or the fifth pick. And it took him two years before he really got. Yeah, good. man. Dude, the tackle position is hard to play, especially the left tackle position. Um, it, it's it's difficult. Um, two things in the chat. Uh, Candy uh, said that Ole Miss uh, had the sixth most total yards in their school history last year. And trust me, Ken, it could have been even better because they underutilized all the talent that they had on that offense. Trust me, they were infuriating. And then Tony, um, per the request, of um of our buddy the charter uh we have to discuss uh ross cockrell getting time at at, at free safety next on uh, my notes yes let's get into it because it's yeah, another defensive it. discussion here the panthers while we made an investment in eric reed right we finally got a safety in this case a strong safety who was not on the very back end of his career Right. We've got a 28 year old pro bowler, whether you like his politics, whether you like his attitude, whether you like his tweets. We finally got a guy who is a player out there yeah. rather than patchworking this with guys that have that have played well. But we have not invested in this position at all since Mike Minner. Eric Reed's the first investment at safety we've made since Mike Minner. But continuing to show that is the Panthers did not invest in a free safety Looking like that could be problematic and maybe something we m might be regretting at this point because at this point, all the signs are, if you think that we're ready to give up on Greg Little after one busted drill, Rashawn Galden might not have a locker. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I'm rooting for Galden, but at this point, he does not seem to be stepping into that role like with certainty. And now they are trying out Ross Cockrell um at safety played at some in college where are we at in the safety position you saw i saw you on twitter talking about it today it really stuck in my craw thinking about that what you said because it was interesting when you're hearing what's going down in kansas city yeah in kansas city the 
So I had my my number one rated safety in this year's draft was Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Do he put up crazy numbers at the combine? I mean, he reminded me of an Eddie Jackson kind of player. You just let him roam at free safety, and he's going to cut off half the football field. And all the reports now are that him and Tyron Matthew in Kansas City, that that might be one of the most electric safety duos that, that's going to be in the NFL this season. Um, and it's such a missed opportunity um, when you consider that now uh, Ross Cockrell, who was a cornerback who broke his tibula and fibula last year, uh, I think I'm saying that right, in his leg, now he is uh, the guy that we appear to be leaning on at free safety. And Rashawn Galden, listen, I'm just going to be honest. Um, when he came out in the draft, I wasn't very impressed with this film from Tennessee. I don't think that he's a very fast football player. Um, we've already seen them burned a couple of times. I'm just going to be honest. I don't have a lot of faith in Rashawn to um, really be a contributor on this football team. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just I haven't seen enough from him in college or in his time here to to think that he's going to be a starter for us. And yeah, Tony, by far um, the biggest concern for us is at the safety position. I mean, other than Rashawn. And other thin than at Ross, li- inside yeah, linebacker. I mean, other than Ross Cockrell, I mean, what, Colin Jones? We're going to play Colin Jones. Colin Pones. Colin Pones and drive Pat Coltrane up the wall. Man, I'm telling you, dude, that's, we are so – there is almost no depth at the safety position. Um, I mean, uh, and then Tim Tizzy mentions uh, get Trey Boston on the phone. Um, I don't know, man. Jake Matthews Boston? was the name from Atlanta, by the way. Thank you, Brad Dugan. Yeah. Um, so, listen, I'm not – I don't know. I'm just not very impressed with the talent that we have at the free safety position. Um I want to know what Eric Berry is up to, if he's healthy enough to play football. <laughs> you know, man, I'm just – I don't know. I would love to upgrade one more time, but I just don't have a lot of faith in Rashawn Galden or Ross Cockrell to play out of position and be competent in that kind of way, especially when we play Atlanta and New Orleans, a bunch of teams that are going to throw the football deep on. So, I think Ross Cockrell has the build. He could get away with it. He's only six foot tall, 190. Um, that, the, the other thing, I think another interesting note related to this is that that also continues to show that there's different. Uh, we thought that maybe they're going to try Ross Cockrell at the nickel. But right now, what I've heard is Josh Thornton has almost locked down the nickel. They've almost exclusively used Josh Thornton in that. And that is... Um, who was it? I think it was Ken mentioned messaged me the other day. Is it time to cut the corn? <laughs> but you know, is that is here is so again? Is that on this defense? We the the holes continue to kind of be where they've always been at. Yeah, I, I mean, um, nickel I, I, and safety. Yeah, n- those are the two question marks every year. Who the hell is going to yeah. do this? Uh, and we and, never draft one. Yeah, we yeah. never, we, we never, and the, so look to bring it back around to Jeremy Igo. Jeremy Igo has been getting me pissed off because he's uh 
you know, everyone got upset that we picked Will Greer over a safety, which in my opinion, rightfully so. I'm not mad at Will and hey, I'm I'm happy that I'm, for him he's a part of the team. But um, you know, it, it, we could have done some things differently in the draft and, and gotten someone at that position to be competitive that I would have liked far better than Rashawn Golden uh, at the position. So yeah, yeah, that was I'm, it. And in hindsight, now you're seeing Cam. You know, you're wondering that because they've already started asking the question: Will um, Greer be the backup quarterback? And I have not heard, you know, I mean, I know that um, they feel, especially North Turner likes that um, that Taylor Heineke kid a lot. You know, is that they're not ready. They know that Will Greer isn't going to be ready. So I think oh, even I, though I, that when even to be a backup in a full capacity, if he had to take over for two games, say, is that, that they might not be ready to do that yet. I do think, too, that maybe this showed that the Panthers didn't know, uh, were more uncertain in April, what Cam's status was than they are today. Yeah. Maybe that's it. So, I mean, but you're right, is that here, is that we kept saying this. I do think that that third round was, you did pay sort of a premium, and that's where you get backup quarterbacks. I just, I've seen so many teams take Dobbs, Josh Dobbs in the third, or how many times, like the the Saints always draft a guy in the third. They don't ever do anything, right? But – Okay, uh, we still have two cat calls to get to, and then we're almost done with the show tonight. I think that's about it. Hey, who are going to be captains this year? Who are going to be captains th- this year? That's the question. Obviously, it's Luke Keekley, Cam Newton. Those are two. Who else you got? I wonder if I Gerald have, McCoy can be a captain already. I have Luke Keekley, Cam Newton, Greg Olson. Um, How many are there? Uh, I We normally have more than than most we have a lot of them and we just did this thing where we have a special a special teams captain now too um so our captains last year uh were cam newton julius peppers ryan khalil luke kickley thomas davis and greg olson so three of those are gone so let's just say we went with another three captains who do you think uh it would be my money is probably going to be on um i'll say christian mccaffrey i think christian might have earned his uh already his yeah can't look, why not he has the same type of work ethic and and, and dedication uh that like guys like greg, uh, greg olson and luke kickley have i think he would be a perfect captain he represents what they want their players um to be like in terms of their work ethic um, and then I'll go ahead and throw in Eric Reed. I think Eric Reed could be a captain on the team. And um, I don't know, one more just to finish it off. Um, maybe we'll throw in either K1 Short or Gerald McCoy. You know, I think those are guys that can rally the locker room and they have a great presence about them. Um, so, yeah, K1 Short. Uh, I, you I, said I we had that. three last year. Or how many did we have? So we had six last year. We had six. Okay. So Luke, Cam, Olson, Locks, right? Yeah. I think you add Gerald McCoy to that mix. Over K1 short? I don't think, yeah, is I don't think KK is demonstrative enough to be. Maybe they put him in. Maybe he has a different role. You know, I mean, he's just been like another guy that was not in all or nothing at all. 
I want I'd be so you know I wouldn't be surprised if Eric reads a captain. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I want to hear the chat room's opinion. So to everyone in the chat room, give us your three. So if Greg Olson, Cam Newton, and Luke Kickley are captains, if you had to pick three more on the team right now that you would pick to be captains, who would you pick? I think Christian McCaffrey deserves to be one of them. Um, and I think Eric McCoy and uh, – Who's the special uh, teams uh, one? Eric it's going to be like uh, Jared Norris. I, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I just don't – it's so stupid to me to have a, a – spe- do Graham Cano if you're going to do it. No. Do someone. someone How about some- this? What about this is that the Panthers after the first week of training camp had to put out a video that said Graham Gano perfect through week one. Oh, makes me want to vomit is that the fact that you have to celebrate Graham Gano miss making kicks in practice at this point is man. He's lost so many damn games or how about this? He is. Again, you know, everybody, we don't we say a, one player doesn't lose a game, but I tell you this, he hasn't won many games either, except for that Giants game with that giant kick. I mean, he's won a few. This is the thing. The ones that, the ones that he loses stick in your head more than anything. There's a couple um, of them. I don't know, like the Super Bowl. He missed some kicks in the Super Bowl. He missed some kicks the following year in the opening against uh, – uh, uh, yeah, those are the ones that you remember. So, by the way, uh, we have some guesses. Underground uh, West, he's in last up with me. He says Eric Reed, Gerald McCoy, and CMC. I could that's see that. My, I could see list. that easy. Uh, John, wonder if Bruce Irvin maybe gets it, surprisingly. John Kiko Barrera says Matt Paradis, Eric Ooh. Reed, and Gerald McCoy. That might be a good one, too. Or maybe, tra- maybe Trey Turner. I guess in my yeah, Trey Turner is a great one. As a matter of fact, uh, in my opinion, you know, I'm I'm just wondering, you know, do you give a guy that's only been on your team or he hasn't even been there a year? Do you make someone like that a captain? Right? Do you bring great? in a free agent? Yeah. You know, I mean, I would think that McCoy would be the quicker captain than Irvin, right? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, is I think McCoy has the personality for it and the pedigree and the respected players. So and I by the way, that. I know we've already glossed over this a little bit, but I'll say this, man. I feel like Gerald McCoy has been a Panther for 10 years. Like, I love the dude, man. He was the on dude, the wrong team the whole time. That's what it is. He's been a Panther the whole time. They just fucking, by accident, gave him the damn Tampa Bay jersey. hundred percent, man. I love Gerald McCoy. Me too. So Me too. Perfect. It's in so perfect with the locker room, the players, the culture. Uh, now there's videos of him carrying uh, Luke Kikwi's pads and helmets, trying to be a good teammate. I mean, this guy is down for the Panther get down. I absolutely love him. I hope everyone else loves him too. I think McCoy is going to be dynamite for the Panthers this year. Uh, Daniel Nestor said the players vote. So the players vote on this. They will decide this. So that'll be interesting to see who the players think deserves this. Actually, an interesting storyline since we have missed um, a very thought-provoking question because we have lost so much. Uh, you know, we lost Thomas Davis. And, that you know, that's the the general right there, the motivating general at that point. So uh, let's see what we got next. Last call, I think. 
Hey guys, what's up? It's Nick, aka Seven Thought Crawlers on YouTube. Hey, so question for you guys. What's up, man? Um, I know a little while back, whenever Cam first started throwing again, everybody was all up saying, you know, oh, he has a new throwing motion. And da -da 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 -da. <laughs> well, I wonder what you guys think, because I never really noticed it. However, I think it was Cody that had actually picked up on it. Um, does he still throw with that new and quote-unquote improved throwing motion? Or is has he gone back to his old style of throwing? So, all right. So, you yeah, you guys could discuss that. We will um, double talk this one. Show, listen every week, and uh, going to two Panthers games this year. So, can't wait. One yeah. up here in Mass, and one down in uh, Charlotte. So, fantastic! Oh yeah, man. Right. That's fantastic. I'm gonna be there at the home opener uh, with Susan Dean. Now, let's double talk this real quick because we did talk about how you can see some of these things, minor tweaks. But Cody, I think at the end of the day is that when you will see is that what happens when he's under duress that's yeah. when we kind of see guys when we're in camp uh you know they always worked on cam newton's footwork in camp it's when yeah. the play when you stop thinking and you start reacting you know when you have a coach telling you working on your golf sling uh, elbow in don't forget to keep your elbow in shift your weight shift your weight then you're gonna be more precise each time be interested to see how Cam Newton, and I think because of his rehabilitation process, is going to make him be more mindful of this. But we'll see how he does in those pressure situations when the pocket's collapsing, when those things, when he sees a guy and his feet aren't set to where they need to be, is he going to go and do the types of things he used to? Or will we see a continued kind of just upgrade in that consistency? Yeah. Cody, where do you think on the last comment on that? Well, I kind of hope it's a little bit of both. I mean, part of what makes Cam Newton so special is that he does have the ability to throw the football at weird angles off his back foot. Like uh, the last time we played Minnesota and Cam Newton had to essentially fall backward and make a throw into the end zone off his back foot, which you're not supposed to do uh, to Devin Funches in the end zone. I mean, listen, in moments like that, you're going to have to improvise and do your best to make the play. But I think it's a, it's a blessing in disguise that for Cam Newton, this new throwing motion is tied to a shoulder injury that he had. So now he might have, you know, worked on the fundamentals, but he didn't have to do it before because he was so big and strong that he could get away with things that, uh, you know, uh, other players might not be able to get away with. But now that you're talking about Cam Newton being mindful about the longevity of his career and wanting his shoulder and his arm to be able to play a bunch more football in the coming years, I really do think that he's going to hammer down and really make this throwing motion a new thing. Um, now, it's all dependent upon our offensive line. Our offensive line has to give Cam Newton enough time to be able to deliver the ball uh, effectively. But overall, I mean, Cam Newton has been training this for over two years now. I really do think that you're going to see Cam Newton stay with the same kind of motion and technique throughout this entire season. I would like to see Cam Newton – I just for an entire season have a very good offensive line because yeah. I believe when he has time, he makes good decisions 
and his footwork and stuff and his mechanics are so much better. I think if there's been one, I think the one criticism I have about Cam is not necessarily footwork and mechanics. Now, I think some of it is just he's so big, it's hard to step into the pocket sometimes when it's, you know, is that I need a lot more room to throw than a guy who is half my size. So I think there are some issues that are complicated by the guys in front of him and that. To me, the problem with Cam, his biggest weakness as a passer to me has been throwing guys open and uh, anticipating guys getting open, having confidence in that, rather than he's always been, to me, a little bit of a sight thrower. That is, I got to see you open first before I – and that's why he's had to zing it sometimes. Maybe if he gets better coaching with uh, better coach receivers, with guys that are making less mistakes, that are more consistent, coaches that are, are, are giving him the confidence to go with those guts, that's what I would like to see. And I don't think you can work on those things when you're always running for your damn life. Yeah, so one, you have to be able to have a pocket to, to throw the football into, to be able to step up into your throw. That's what you're supposed to do. You step up into the throw, and that helps you deliver the football. I disagree with you, though, that Cam Newton doesn't throw people open. I think when you do see him zip the ball into the tight window, that's what he's doing. He's throwing the football. Maybe it's my terminology. Throwing. It's like the anticipation of where a guy's going to be. I think Cam leading Newton, him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? This is what I think happens. Cam Newton can do that and has demonstrated the ability to do that. But sometimes when he doesn't have a lot of faith in the offensive line in front of him, if that pocket is starting to crumble, then, yeah, the technique starts to go out the window just a little bit. And sometimes, you know, if he's been beaten up on, even if he does have a pocket that's manageable, you know, they call it seeing ghost. You know, you feel there's a defender coming when there might not necessarily be one. So you're getting the ball out a little bit quicker than you normally would. And your fundamentals kind of go downhill. It's a one thing leads to another leads to another. But it all starts with that offensive line. And if our offensive line is playing as we feel they should, Cam Newton should have the best year of his career this year. I mean, that's the way it's pointing right now, and I'm so excited for it, man. I'm so here for it. Oh, all right, three more news and notes to talk about. Real quickly, uh, Panthers uh, have released information that they're going to be starting a Panthers podcast network where they're going to be debuting 10 shows. Um, but now I, I looked at it, and I, I think they're going to – I bet you Jordan Gross is going to have a podcast. Like, remember when he had the It's Gross podcast? Uh, that that would be one that would, you know, they're probably going to get DeLome to do some things like that. Mick Mixon is going to have a podcast. But I tell you this, if you can listen to a half hour of Mick Mixon talking about football, he's great color. I mean, he's fine color commentary. He's a little corny and cheesy. I just feel like it's going to be so we got a guy like this in Greenville that does a radio show. His name is Jeff Charles. He's the voice of the pirates. He calls the games. He's got this great radio voice, but he is so conservative, like clean. It's so clean and just like boring (laughs) his show now. um, So there are going to be debuting this They've got. They're going to be partnering with Spotify. I think they've got a guy who's been a radio producer helping organize this. 
there's a couple of things that kind of bother me about this. Number one, why aren't we on the list? Like, why aren't we one of the ten? Panthers, come on. The longest running, top podcast. We are the number one rated podcast when you take out ones that are run by the team, right? We are the one that you Google Carolina Panthers. Well, we come up as the first podcast in iTunes, except for ones run, run by the team. So where where's our offer at? Make us an offer. Make us an offer. Um, we got a lock on the fan perspective at this point, and we are not boring. Do you think they would let us uh, be as honest as we are about a lot of things? I think so that a example, teams need to do that. I because right now they're taking ownership of the media more. Right now, and this is going to lead us to our next thing: Cam not doing stuff with local media, but the Charlotte Observer is hemorrhaging people. Like I saw somebody tweet this: Are they even covering training camp? Who even writes for these guys? They got a new kit person. The Jordan Rodriguez left. Marcel uh, left. There is uh, Marcel Louis Jacques left. Joe Person left, and they had some good. I thought they were good beat writers for the Carolina Panthers. They've all joined the Athletic, but now they're making a lot of changes in the Panthers digital media content. Adding the Can Girl and the Can Cam and stuff. She's fun. She kind of brings the millennial feel to it. They got rid of Brian Strickland. They're doing some other things. But at the same time, I think that they that they don't we don't also want uh to be suspect of a team's media, of them only sugarcoating everything. I like self-criticism, self-critique, and I think having somebody kind of with that where you didn't put limitations on them but gave them more access and you gave them the credibility of being with the team would help would be an interesting uh, so if thing. We did a podcast where you were shitting all over Graham Gano, and then we're a part of the Panthers network. And let's say we had to interview him, but would we still say those same things in front of him? I think, I mean, obviously, is that I would tell this is that Graham Gano, that if he came on our show, I would say I've talked shit about you. And I, <laughs> I, is that like I, I'm going to not be mean to you because you're a person. And I don't think I've been disrespectful. But at the same time, just because I, 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 we should be allowed to criticize. Yeah. And listen, you know, it's, it's what you said. We have a pulse on the fan perspective. The, we, we know what the fans want. We are fans. So, you know, and we have the the chat room and the comment section letting us know what they think about our opinions and their opinions. I mean, to really have that integrated as a part of the discussion around your football team, I mean, I would love to do it. And um, I hope that's something that they consider doing in the future. Um, but, but I do tell you what, the Lynn uh, had a good point. Uh, she said that um, they'll be PC. And you guys are kind of R-rated. We are R-rated. We are. We are. Yeah. I, I think this is a funny comment. Is Lee Trotter says, Mick Mixon for an hour, that'll be a no. <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, you're right. Tim Tizzy says, sometimes Tony has gone in on people before. Sometimes, yeah. You know what? Is I'd have to stick with, uh, if we were working for the Panthers, you know what the biggest change would be to the podcast, Cody? There would be like no more crushing a t eight beers on a Tuesday yeah. night. <laughs> I think that would probably be the first change. Um, no more 
Yeah, yeah. Is the the no more draft parties and where pick twenty five? You might have seen Tony fall asleep for a second. Um, no, is, uh, that is my new thing. I think I'm gonna try to go no booze on the show this year. It might be. I need to lose some weight. That might be a way to start. Uh, the other thing is other news and notes. Anything to this? Have you heard the problems between? Uh, or at least the criticisms of Cam not being available to the local media this week. Like, is that um, they have uh, is they've come out and, and Scott Fowler has been part of this. Bill Rosinski's been a part of this. Uh, even Mac, who is the biggest uh, lover of Cam Newton that there is, other than us, probably. Um, Mac attack in the morning has said, he's just said this. I don't dislike Cam, but he has not been available to the local media in his tenure here. Right. Is there anything to the, what do you think about this? Is the local media slightly salty with Cam? I don't think Cam, uh, likes the, to in talk to the media. Career? Yeah. Like as in his entire career, he has not been particularly available to the local media. Like he hasn't given one-on-ones with the radio station. He hasn't given one-on-ones with the Charlotte observer. So you see him in GQ, you've seen him do some other things, but really he just does his press conferences and that's about it. I mean, I've seen him on some radio shows before. Um, I don't know. This doesn't really bother me. I mean, uh, listen uh, to me, this seems like another, um, another way to kind of talk shit about Cam and always too big for his britches or whatever. Um, I personally don't care. I feel like, um, you know, whenever Cam Newton is um, open to the media and he has to answer questions, he's always very candid, whether people like it or not, whether it gets him in trouble or not. Uh, he's very candid and he answers very honestly. And I think, you know, what more could you want? There are people like Tom Brady that are going on morning shows like every uh, you know, every certain day of the week, and they're talking about all kind of BS that ends up becoming national stories. And Ben Roethlisberger does it too. Like I don't know, I, I see it for like, especially during the season. Like there's a distraction element to it. You know, whenever you have to talk to the media, fine, talk to the media. But other than that, we're focused on football. You know, answer questions when you have the time. Um, I don't know. I'm indifferent. I don't know if you have an opinion. Yeah, I do have an opinion on this. Is one is that it feels a little whiny by the local media over this. Now, I I I do gravitate to taking Cam's side on things, but I think here, one, I think they're thinking about this. Cam isn't. So I feel like uh, I I said I wrote a tweet today, and this is what it said. It said so so I'm interested in this local media and Cam Newton beef. The local these guys feel disrespected that Cam hasn't given them access. Um, and I but I think they're thinking about this more than he is. He just doesn't care or think about it at all. And it's kind of similar to how the media probably treats us podcasters. They also act like we don't exist and we we're all like, you know, wanting them to acknowledge us at times and they have they even listened to the damn show ever? And we're talking about this at the, we listen to their show. Y'all listen to ours. I'm just, but I don't think he's thinking about it. Like, I don't think he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm I don't care. I'm not doing the local me. I think he probably just doesn't like doing media period. And if there is look, let's be honest. Cam is not a wordsmith, you know, is he is very intelligent. 
He is very intelligent. He is very insightful, but he does have a tendency to misuse words at times. And it's not anything bad. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's not like he's just the most polished. Like, So here's the thing is why does he want to put himself out there more and more for just the opportunity for people to bash him? I think that is, I think he has lessened just, I think he's learned the lesson of this is the, like, let's control, be more, look, his vlog, right? Um, He's doing these things under where he controls the message. I feel like when his immediate availability at times, he feels like they have the power a little bit to shape the message afterwards. And look, kudos to Cam Newton on this. He did a interview with Peter King. And yeah. this is when you hear the local media going, oh, great for Peter King. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He comes in, parachutes in, and gets the big tick, big fish. And we're over here grinding camp. Shut up, Scott Fowler. You ain't been grinding camp but just for two weeks since everybody quit. But, right, is that here is that Cam saw what happens when someone else gets to take his words and shape the picture of him. I think in his video blog, I think in All or Nothing, and these things is Cam felt more in control. And and I think that that's why he's not as interested in just doing these typical radio bits where he needs to just say the kind of talking points over and over. I feel like he thinks it's inauthentic a little bit. So um, I just uh, sent the link to it in, in the YouTube chat for everyone who's with us there. Um, it's the link to... Uh, pro football taught the interview that he did with Peter King. And it was really fantastic, man. And I, I really do, you know, a, a lot of people want to say that Cam Newton is immature. And, and I've never necessarily thought that about him, but I, I did listen to the interview. I read the interview first, and then I listened to the actual uh, audio video interview that he did with Peter King. And he did come off very mature. It it It, it comes off like a guy that's that's really been through some things, and he seems like a quarterback that's ready to take the next step and the next turn in his career. And but it's not it's not a surprise that it happens with Peter King rather than someone from the Charlotte Observer or the local news or whatever. I mean, Cam wants, um, especially when the narrative on him is as bad as it is with people like Colin Cowherd and Reggie Betamail Bush out there slandering him at every single turn. Um, whenever Cam Newton does have a, a moment to present himself to the media on a larger scale, I don't blame him at all when it's through these bigger mediums out there. So I don't blame him at all. I'm very happy with how it comes off and the mindset that I feel that he's in now. I'm happy, man. Yeah, and I love when Cam says stuff that is um, that just is what we've been saying. And all I have said over and over is like, your game is supposed to adjust as um, as you grow and progress. It's supposed to evolve. You can't play like you were twenty when you're thirty. You can't play like you're. So I, I, I look. Cam is checking all the right boxes to me. I think he. Um, I feel like he thinks doing the regular media stuff is a chore and he wants to do the more creative like personality side. 
Um, all right, so so we got all that out of the way. The last part of the show was was that the last? Yeah, we've done all the calls. Man, tremendous calls tonight. The cat calls line is 252-228-5098. Been a tr- even better discussion in the YouTube chat. If you're not in the YouTube chat, you are missing out. I wish we could, the, the people that listen to the pod, uh, audio podcast could see some of the conversation that goes on there. It's just tremendous. You guys are the bomb. We're only going to get bigger and better as the season goes on. We have been growing in the off season. You don't see that a lot of times with podcasts, but we keep pounding and you guys are a part of that. So be sure to smash the thumbs up button, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend. That's all I ask. One friend. That's the solid you could do to me. Uh, is take the show, send the link to one Panther fan, say, hey, do you watch this or do you listen to this? It's in both audio and video. Get on it. Also, go check out Charlotte Vibe. He put out a video tonight, and your your boy right here, yours truly was in it, submitting my kind of take on the Panthers, the storyline that I'm interested. Pat Coltrane's in it. Some YouTubers going down. Let's support Charlotte Vibe, man of the people. He asks the questions that we he gets answers for us. So we'll support him. We're going to have him on the show in the near future. All right, Cody. Last part is to ice some fools up. All right. Yes. What do you got for me? Do you got something? Or you want me to go? Because I mean, we can. Uh, I can. I can go first. Mine's nothing special tonight. It's just worthy of it. It's just worthy of All it. Right. But, um, so I'll go first. Uh, listen, man. Uh, really, it's about time that we start calling out Saints fans for the salty losers that they are. Listen, I get it. It was a terrible call. Uh, but uh, apparently the good people in New Orleans are still upset. So much so that a New Orleans judge has ordered depositions on NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and three refs working the NFC Championship game in September. Goodell has never answered fans' disappointments over games under oath. The NFL is going to file an objection to this. So, listen, man, uh, the Saints fans, they still think they can get this overturned and go to Super Bowl 53 or something. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're never going to get that no call back. Uh, Your season is never going to be saved. I don't know why they're. Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, this is dead. They're being a dead horse, and and they're 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 still trying to uh, call foul over a non-call last year. Well, guess what? Pass interference is reviewable this year. So if everyone comes to hit it and, and thinks that it slows down the game and it's micromanaging football, you have these whining losers to thank for it. So to the New Orleans judge and all the fans that are still demanding answers over this at this point, I suck, son. Um, let me see. Okay, the other thing I got to do here is hopefully this will... Why is it not larger? Um, look. The big shout out to Lynn, first of all. Lynn is comes is a talented woman herself. Her daughter, you need to check out her daughter's uh, just produced a major um, music video. It's phenomenal. By the way, Lynn, while you're listening to this, I want you to tell your daughter that um, 
the one thing that she does that's awesome in those videos, she has this cool swoop back camera motion where you know how they're circling, you know, all the videographers like to circle, 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 circle the people. Well, she does this kind of circle, but then comes back to where you came from. I felt in that and a couple of scenes that uh, you were almost dancing with the people in it. The cameraman was dancing. It was great. But she's a talented woman herself, Lynn, because she designed a couple of shirts for us. She has designed uh, the I Stand With Cam t-shirt. She designed the Put It In The Bank t-shirt. And I have not forgotten her. She will be rewarded for her hard work. I just have to get the right things in motion. Still coming. Um, But this year's fantasy football t-shirt is off the chain you guys can go to let me see maybe i can pull it up this way i'm gonna show it to you um i am gonna be as soon as the fantasy football league starts to finish filling up i'm gonna do a um short uh pre-order segment lynn would not be allowed to buy one that's for sure but maybe you can see maybe i can do this i'm gonna put it in the chat room and you guys can check it out. It's a keep pounding t-shirt. But this is a commemorative t-shirt that for this year celebrating the Panthers going to London. The um, the image, and I don't think it's going to let me paste that no, too long. The image is a keep pounding logo, but it's in the British and American, co- like the red, white, and blue colors. But it has a British pound system like their currency their old school currency as the keep pounding it's awesome on the back there is a panther wearing the uh cap the hat that the british soldiers wear when they're guarding westminster palace or whatever it is so that big top hat it is going to be cool you can be able you can order this pre-orders will give a little discount because i got to front the money to the printer um, and some different things. And then I don't have to buy a bunch in hopes that people will buy them over the next two years. I have tons of t-shirts in the closet, by the way, so go to the website and buy a damn t-shirt, put it in the bank would be a great one. I stand with cam would be a great one and coming soon to keep pounding t-shirt. Also go ahead and check out, uh, if you're interested in the fantasy football league, that information is available on the website. There's only, there's 48 spots in this league. We're at like, at least there's probably 28 full already. And it's been basically a day and a half that it's been open. I haven't even opened it to the public. Some pro tips on the podcast for podcast listeners though. Uh, my ice up pick. I guess, man, I'm just going to have to do damn D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams is trash-talking Cam Newton. He was on Good Morning, Good Morning Football, and he said if you take away Cam Newton's 2015 season, he what has he done? Lose. Those were his words. Number one, uh, D'Angelo, somebody wrote to D'Angelo on Twitter, which was amazing. They said, if you take away your 20, 2008 season, you would have been out of the league by 2013. I thought that was an awesome comeback because D'Angelo fell off for a while. He struggled, and then he was able to have a little bit of a resurgence in, with Cam at one point in the season and later with Pittsburgh. D'Angelo, why are you so damn salty to the Panthers? 
right? Cam Newton has done a lot more than you have done in your career. Let's just go ahead and say that. I don't care if you're the lead, the league, league, or the Panthers Russian title. Actually, I think Jonathan Stewart took it from you. Um, Cam Newton's been uh, offensive rookie of the year. Um, he's been, he's had this team in the playoffs four times since 2011. That's something to be said right there. Um, been a, a, a I think, if anything, he's done more winning than losing. So, uh, D'Angelo, you are salty, man. You suck. In fact, it turns out that the whole time you've just been a jerk. And it goes back. You can go and listen to Where's That Cat Now? I've done some episodes. And I hung out with Deshaun Foster and talked to him about his career. And I found an old article where uh, D'Angelo Williams as a rookie kind of trying to come in and talk shit to everybody, Deshaun Foster included, put him in his place. So he's always been like this. He's weird as all get out. To you, I say, D'Angelo, ice up. Ice up. Oh, salty bitch. Yep. All right. Um, That's it. This is C3 Panthers Podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. Cody, where can they hit you up? At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter. Uh, training camp is underway. So, um, listen, if you want my takes and opinions throughout the weeks, if you want to send me clips, ask me questions, whatever, I'm free and available to everyone, anyone and everyone who wants to talk about Panthers football. And um, if there's something you want us uh, to talk about on the show or show on the show, you can hit me up there also. Um, and in August – uh, coming up here soon, either today or tomorrow, uh, I think tomorrow there's going to be an August mock draft on drafttech.com. Obviously, these are very, very early. Um, so, But uh, it's a state-of-the-team um, uh, blurb for the Panthers that has a bunch of different rounds of picks uh, to get you started on some of the names that you'll be hearing in next year's draft class. Never too early to get in on the no. And um, that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, Tuesday night next week will be adjusted. We're going to have to adjust the date on when we – we're probably going to push the show back um, from when I get back from vacation. This is the only time of year that I get to go with my family uh, uninterrupted. So we are – my wife wants to travel, so we're doing it. Um, but we will not miss a week. We will not miss a week, even if it's late. All right. That's it, guys. We'll see you soon. Not Tuesday, but next week sometime. Keep pounding. Keep pounding, baby. It's our year. Put it in the bank. Buy the t-shirt. In the bank. In the vault. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.